Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Hello, this is Chet Haney with the His Mighty Hand Radio broadcast and podcast. And I'm so happy to be with you today. I want to thank all of our listeners for jumping on. And we're really blessed and fortunate to have Deidre Clem in studio with us today. Hi, Deidre. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. God bless you. Deidre is our minister to children here. At Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and she's been with us about a year. Has it been a year yet? Yeah, just that. Yeah, so uh, we're so thankful for Deidre on so many levels, and uh, she has been such a blessing to us, and uh, glad to have you here today, Deidre. Well, I'm glad to be here. All right, awesome. Well, Deidre, I wanted to give you a chance to share with our listeners today, which is probably a lot of folks from our church and maybe some other folks as well who are tuned in. Uh, to hear a little bit of your amazing story. As I was sharing with you just now, uh, you've got quite a journey in your life. And <laughs> it's been uh, it's been fun to, to get to know you for that reason and uh, kind of hear about uh, how you've been around the block a time or two. And uh, tell us again, uh, you grew up in a different tradition completely. Well, I did. I uh, um, was born in Denton, Texas, and my mother and nice. father were Catholic, Um, My mother was actually raised Baptist, but became Catholic, and uh, was a pretty staunch Catholic home. We went to CCD and all those good things, and um, my father passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack when I was nine. Bless your heart. It was hard. It was a hard time. My sister was 17. It was hard on my mom. It was hard for a little girl. Yeah, it it was a hard time. She's a strong woman. So she ended up um, meeting someone uh, the next year and getting married, and yeah. he was Orthodox Jew. How about that? So we moved to Dallas. It was a very big change. We went from this little small town to yeah. Dallas with, um, mm-hmm. you know, Orthodox Jews are very traditional and all the things that went along with that. So did he have the curls? No, no, that's a CD. No, that's a different, okay, that's like a, a different thing. Kind of different kind of sect within the, Orth- the Orthodox okay. religion. Gotcha. But, um, you know, they have men and women are separate mm-hmm. and you have to walk for high holidays. My uh, parents did not keep kosher, even though they sometimes acted like they did, but they didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I was confirmed at, um, actually the Reformed Temple there. My mom was head of Hadassah, which is a women's organization. Confirmed as a Jew. Yes. At what age? Um, 14 or 15. Interesting. Ninth grade. Yeah. You know, when we went to Israel, uh, last February, just a little bit of more than a year ago, uh, at the Wailing Wall, the men have to go to one side yes. and the women go yes. to another. And that's how their services are. Yeah. We're completely separate. Uh-huh. Um, so, th- th- so after that, I actually went to college and um, yeah. ended up meeting my husband. Um, and he had. A, I I started going um, once I was in college. I started. I joined the Baptist um, 
Baptist Student Union? Yes, Baptist, Baptist Student, Student Ministry. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because they were yeah. really nice and handed out free food, which I was all about. Free but, food yeah. is a good thing in yeah. college. Now, where did you go to school? I went to, well, it, then it's Texas State now, but it was Southwest oh, yeah. Texas State. In um, San, San Marcos. Yeah, San Marcos. Nice. And um, so I joined that to kind of make friends, and I made yeah. some friends, and I started listening to everything they had so to say. So you raised Catholic, confirmed you, and you're in the BSM. Right. Love it. But I always consider awesome. myself, I guess, a Christian. I never, yeah. you know, I felt like that was my roots. Uh-huh. And so um, I met my husband and he yeah. said, you know, hey, my friend of mine is going on this mission trip to San Antonio. And um, would you like to go with his family to go mm-hmm. and, and minister? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. Because, Sweet. Yeah, this is my end. So he's in the BSM also? No, husband? no. He was older than I was. I this, okay. He had a friend who... Um, mm-hmm. he, he he was in that ministry, and he yeah. now he's a, a missionary. So he's done wow. all kinds of stuff. But wow. it was just he and his family at that time. They were going to this little small church. So you invited on the mission trip, and you're okay. like, "Man, I am there. I'm, I'm so all about this. These yeah. people are going to love me." <laughs> so we halfway through, yeah. I ask him and say, "You know, so like, hey, what do they think of me?" And I'm thinking, like, uh-huh. they're going to say I'm like awesome. And uh-huh. he's like, "Oh, they like you, but you know, you're not Christian. I'm like, <laughs> not Christian." I was so insulted. I was like, what are you talking about? Completely offended. <laughs> completely offended. <laughs> completely. And yeah. so I started listening to the things they were talking about. So uh-huh. on our way home, we stopped at um, Dairy Queen in Waco. Yeah. Yeah. And I started asking them questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I'm like, God starts touching my heart. And I'm thinking, oh, my wow. gosh, I'm not a Christian. So I kind of panicked for a second. Like, wow. I have to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, I got saved. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and Waco. So it was a Dairy Queen saving. Wow. Awesome. So in that moment, God spoke to you. Yeah. It was this overwhelming, which I, I remember that feeling and I love seeing that feeling. And like yeah. at preteen camps, when kids go through that, you just like, you're overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And that's yeah. how I felt. And it was an amazing day, a scary day, an eye opening day all in one. Wow. You know, we're learning about the ways of God right now in our Wednesday night uh, series. And the author, Roy Edgman, last night we were talking after the service, which was so great last night, about Henry. Henry Blackaby, who wrote this book, Experiencing God, helped him write the ways of God. And I was just asking Roy, I said, how do you have a walk with God like Henry? You know him. He's a friend of yours. What did you observe about just his manner and how he walked with the Lord? He just said, Chet, he just spent lots and lots of time with God, you know, in the word. And he listened and God spoke to him, you know, in that way. And I've just found myself today uh, thinking about that conversation and how important it is for me uh, to to hear God. Mm-hmm. Hear God speak because He can speak anywhere, yeah. even in the bathroom at Dairy Queen. Absolutely, yes, absolutely, yes, absolutely. Wow! wow. So you went in there and just cried out to the Lord. I did all by myself because I I uh-huh. had heard them during this this time we were in San Antonio that yeah. telling people what they needed to do. So yeah. I knew I knew what to do. Okay, not, so they were sharing Christ absolutely just with anybody uh, that would listen, witnessing, mm-hmm. soul winning, and uh, were you participating in that? I. I felt like I was, but I uh, wasn't. I so, but you were hearing the gospel. Absolutely. And you were seeing it in action. Mm-hmm. And then someone shared what it means and you just uh, jumped on it. Yeah. I just, it just like God said to me, like all, all these things I felt that were real my whole life yeah. growing up, these things that I held close. Yeah. 
They were just part of the truth. They weren't the whole okay. truth. Well, maybe that wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was just uh, the way God was preparing you. Absolutely. As a child, uh, you know, with reverence for things that are holy and with a sense of love, you know, for who God is, uh, which would become more um, defined to you later. And uh, then at the right time and at the right place, God just came bursting into your life. Wow. What Absolutely a, bursting. It's a great day, but it was, it was a little scary to be honest. I'm so, sure. I'm yeah. sure it was. So you were a little bit nervous about it. Mm-hmm. How, uh, what What happened from there? Well, I ended up going to the little small church where they went. Yeah. And um, it was a real small congregation, yeah. and it had a small women's group. But uh-huh. they went around to lots of different churches, so I got really? to do that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just the beginning. I, then yeah. I, you know, we got married, and after I was married, I started teaching for a um, Baptist church for their Mother's Day Out, the music and movement part of it. And someone that went to church there said one of their kids was in my class and said, "Hey, we need a children's minister. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "Really? I don't know. Let yeah. me think about it." So I prayed about it. And I remember standing in the parking lot with mm-hmm. my two girls. They were small and my husband and he's praying in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we can, we could do this. Let's go in there and we could do it. So we go in and they start asking me all these theological questions, yeah. which obviously was God answering because these were things I probably would not. I, I knew I didn't know. I just kind of just went with what I felt like he was saying. And so mm-hmm. I went there and started working there and they had a church split and went again with one of the churches. And then I went to farmersville and now i'm here praise the lord so ministry um really came out of service Mm -hmm. you were serving god was uh giving you opportunities and they said hey we think you'd make a good minister and uh and so here you are right wow that's an incredible story um i want to ask you if you would uh to um, maybe come back next time. Sure, I would love that. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to uh, give you a chance to share. I, I know you've got a story to tell about, um, you know, the um, the way life is. Uh, somebody calls it the vicissitudes of life. Sometimes we go through hard times in life, and you've been through some of that, haven't you? I uh-huh. have. Yeah. Okay, when we come back next time, I'm going to give you a chance to share with our listeners a little bit more about that. Deidre Clem in the house today, folks. She is our children's minister extraordinaire at Highland Terrace. And we are so delighted to have her at our church in general and right here today on our podcast. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Be sure and catch us next time when Deidre comes to tell a pretty amazing story about how God has worked in her life through some difficult things that she's been through. I'm Chet Haney, pastor of Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and we're glad to have you with us today on the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to just encourage your hearts this morning with a message about a secret weapon. Did you know that Sherlock Holmes had a secret weapon in a 1943 movie starring Basil Rathbone? It was a secret weapon that would defeat Nazi Germany. But Sherlock Holmes had to become a secret spy. A Nazi uh, assumed the role of a Nazi spy in order to save his country. 
There's actually a valiant comic universe where there's a whole team of superheroes called the Secret Weapons. Now, what if I had a secret weapon this morning that I could share with you to bring hope back alive? You know, um, like a secret ingredient or secret sauce in a secret recipe, secret weapons make all the difference. You know, I spoke this week with a beloved couple, Highland Terrace members, who love our church, and they love to come to our church, and they haven't been to our church in over a year. Glenn and Peggy Steed. Glenn's going to have surgery soon. And uh, it was a blessing to visit with him, but it's been a, a difficult, interesting time that we've been going through, hasn't it? A real challenging time. We prayed Wednesday night for a relative of a member of our church. Her name is Virginia Bean. Virginia, just a few days ago, really, matter of a couple, three weeks ago, lost her husband to COVID. He died. And now she's been diagnosed with uh, uh, cancer all over her body. And uh, just a difficult situation. And, and you know, you'd like to, uh, to talk about hope that you can introduce to a person like that. And there's a lot of people right now in our church and in our world, in our community, who are going through a lot of stuff. Can we all say amen to that? It's just been a difficult time. And in today's message, verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1, there is a secret weapon that I want to share with you as you're turning in your Bible there. I hope you can almost feel your life turning, even as you turn the pages of the Scripture. And the title of today's message is When Hope comes alive. Now, I want to tell you what this sermon is not about. This sermon is not about resuscitation. There's a lot of books about resuscitation where somebody maybe uh, died on the operating table for a little while and they put the paddles on them and brought them back to life and somebody will give a testimony of seeing a bright light and going to heaven and coming back. You've heard stories about people that have had experiences like these. Maybe they were in a coma and they got brought back. Maybe they were in an uh, accident, you know, and they, they were brought back. Well, listen, people with medical technology can bring you back from death in a certain sense. But that's not what this sermon is about. Take all those ideas and just set them aside for a moment. Because I'm talking about, uh, for instance, Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead by Jesus... Jesus was warned not to mess with the tomb because they said, Lord, by now, he stinks. He's been in the grave for three days. And so also Jesus Christ was not resuscitated with some kind of paddles on his chest from a death on the cross. He was buried in a tomb after dying on the cross. And on the third day in that tomb, the Bible describes Jesus having been risen from the dead, and most of his disciples didn't believe it. Now, we'll come back to that in a moment. I want to tell you about what happened when they did believe. Uh, Jesus never expressed a promise that he would be resuscitated from the dead, and Paul never expressed a longing to know Jesus in the power of his resuscitation. That's not the secret weapon. Let's look at it 
And we're going to see exactly what Peter was talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. And, and notice the power behind the hope. Here's the secret weapon. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, you can get an idea about the transformation of this living hope by thinking about the before Peter and the after Peter. The before Peter, uh, we find at a fire outside of uh, the, uh, the office of Caiaphas while they're talking about putting Jesus to death and Peter's standing there by the fire trying to warm himself and the girl looks at Peter and she kind of recognizes him and she listens to his voice and she says, I think you were one of them, weren't you? And he says, no, I was not. And she uh, listened to him talk a little bit more, looked at him a little more and she says, I, I believe you were one of them, weren't you? And he says, I was not. And she asked him another time, and this time, Jesus, I mean, excuse me, Peter, in fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus, cussed. <laughs> he declared an oath, and he said, blankety blank blank, I am not one of his friends. I don't even know him. And what happened right then? The rooster crowed. Because Jesus has said before the rooster crowed, you're going to deny me three times. Now, this is before Peter. This is the Peter before who was scared. He was confused. He was discouraged. He was despondent. And he was downright afraid for his life because he thought Jesus had just uh, lost all hope and uh, when they got through executing Jesus, they were probably going to round up all of his followers and execute them too. So Jesus um, was before Caiaphas, and Peter wanted to be near him, but he wanted to be near him on the lowdown because he was afraid. He was scared of what might happen to him. Now, what about the after Peter? Uh, something happened between before and after that allowed this same Peter... To stand up, not on the lowdown, but before the whole city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, and boldly before the city, Peter declared that this is the Christ whom you crucified, and God has made him both Lord and Christ. And the Bible describes a situation in that city where people were so cut to the heart that they cried out, what must we do to be saved? Now, would you say that's a pretty powerful difference between before Peter and after Peter? That is the power of the secret weapon of our living hope, which is based on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And Peter really didn't become a believer until he became an eyewitness, as I'm going to show you in just a few moments. Now, it wasn't just Peter who was changed by the power of the resurrection of Christ, it was the whole church family. It was all of the disciples. There were, there were many in the church 
who were powerfully moved. And the Bible says even many of the priests, as we saw last Sunday night, before we ordained our deacons and we, and we were looking at the first deacon. And the Bible says uh, that as they uh, set these men apart and the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, many priests were coming also to the faith. Now listen, this is, this is powerful. Uh, the secret weapon has resulted in a powerful change in the lives of the eyewitnesses who appeared. As a matter of fact, before the resurrection, these eyewitnesses were scared, they were defeated, they were in despair, they were disillusioned, and after the resurrection, they were ready to take on Nero and the Roman world. And they did. At one time, there was just a few disciples. In fact, uh, not, not long after the resurrection of Christ before Acts chapter 2, the number of the disciples was about 120. That's less than are here right now. And they were meeting in an upper room. And now, did you know that in the world today, there are 2.3 billion people who claim in some way or another to be a follower of Jesus. From 120 to 2.3 billion people. That is a powerful change. Now, I want to tell you, um, uh, the, the most significant thing, as Nancy just said, that's ever happened in all of human history is the resurrection of Jesus. By far. Uh, as a matter of fact, our calendar is divided into the time before Jesus and the time after his life and his death and his resurrection. Your birthday is marked by how many years and how many months and how many days since Jesus? That's the most powerful thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Now, let's discuss this powerful event in light of what has happened to us as a result of it. And that is we have been given what the Bible calls a living hope. Now, a living hope has to do with your future. Did you know that's all you've got left in this life is your future? You can't go back and redo your past, can you? And this day is slowly slipping into the future, moment by moment by moment. Your future is becoming uh, the reality of your life. Now, let me tell you, things about the future as we look at our passage together. First of all, in verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a little bit backwards thinking. Normally, why do we come to church on Easter Sunday? Well, because we want a blessing. Uh, Why do we come to church any Sunday? Well, because we want to be uplifted and encouraged and strengthened in our faith, and we want to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to be blessed. And so we come and we say, bless me, God. And this passage says something completely different. It says, blessed be God. Now, this is a, a different idea from the first church of consumerism, where it's all about lifting me up and encouraging me and blessing me. This is a completely different approach. It's the blessing of God. This is the kind of thinking, what if the music we heard today was not intended to be a blessing for me. What if it was music for God? 
And, and what if this new building that we're building over here is not so that we can be comfortable and we can be proud and we can say, look at our new building. What if that new building was to honor God? And what about my life? What if my life is not really about me at all, but my life that I'm living is to the glory and honor of God? We can go on and on. Do you get the idea? This is backwards thinking. It's understanding that all the blessings you want and uh, all the blessings you want to get in this life are going to be nothing compared as far as the shiny goods of this world to the simple one thing, and that is the sense that your life is pleasing to God. There's nothing better than this. Um, When you trade your prayers from bless me God to blessed be God, you discover the joy of giving your life and finding it. Jesus said the one who loses his life is going to be the one who finds it. The one who gives up everything in order to follow me is the one who's going to discover what life is all about. This is the secret weapon of the resurrection. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just the God of the universe. He's also a Father who wants the best for you. And by the strength of His promise, through the power of the virgin birth, our Heavenly Father conceived the only begotten Son of God, our earthly Savior, Jesus. And so He's not just God. He's not just Father. He's God and Father. He's omnipotent and compassionate. He's all-knowing and all-caring. He loves us enough to discipline us. And He watches over us and He provides for us. He is God and Father. And as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He fulfilled one of the greatest miracles of all the Bible, which is the virgin birth of Jesus. And the Bible says, according to His abundant mercy, He has begotten us again. i tell you one thing we know about God's mercy because it says it over and over and over in the Scripture hundreds of times. The Bible says God's mercy endures forever. Our Heavenly Father has a durable mercy. It's a powerful mercy. Thank God it is. Uh, thank God that we're uh, told this so often because the durability of God's steadfast patience and abounding love, slow to anger, abundant in mercy, means that all of us can be entirely forgiven by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And notice our born-again transformation. The Bible says He has begotten us again. That is, He has given us a new life. He's allowed us who've been once born to be born again. Once begotten, begotten again. This is the testimony of a disciple. The change that happens by our living hope. The life that you have uh, put on yourself is a life that determines the change that's going to be in your future. Now, your future, that's what you hope for. And here are a couple things we know about the future. Now, none of us knows the details of our future. Uh, we can't really tell what's going to happen. Uh, We don't know, you know, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, or what's going to happen to us from one day to the next. But here's something we know about the future. We have a God who does 
know. He already knows. God, in his omniscience, already knows about the future. Uh, let's say that uh, I took you down to downtown Greenville to see the Christmas parade this coming year. And uh, we set up shop in downtown Greenville right there on the steps of the courthouse, and we put out our lawn chairs, and the parade goes by. And as you're watching the parade, uh, you would not be able to see anything but what's going by at the moment. You couldn't see what's already passed, and you wouldn't be able to see what's coming. Now, if I took you up to the top of the exchange building, and we were able to look down from there, you could probably see the whole parade. You could see it from beginning to end and uh, kind of experience the whole thing at once. And that's the difference between our perspective and God's perspective when it comes to the life that we're living and the future. Our living hope can already be seen by God because he is higher than we are. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. From God's perspective, he's able to see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning because God, as I've told you before, is not constrained by time as we know it. Uh, with God, a thousand years is like what, church? Just like a day. And a day is like a thousand years because God does not define his reality by the rotation of the earth around its axis. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 